You're listening to the HTE Podcast by New Life Global Ministries, the podcast for everyday disciples that want to make a difference here, there, and everywhere. Good day, everyone. My name is Gary Willett. Today I'm with Ryan McFarlane, and we're going to discuss the topic, community. Before we get started, Ryan, tell us a little bit about yourself and the season of life you're currently experiencing. Absolutely. So my name, like Gary said, is Ryan McFarlane. I am first and foremost a husband. I've been married to my wife, Abigail McFarlane, for over seven years now. Uh, I have four permanent children, meaning two of them are biological, two of them are adopted. Um, my wife and I have intentionally stepped into foster care for the last uh, what, four-ish years now. Um, and so that is a big part of our life and a big part of what God is doing through our life and through our marriage. And so we often have extra kids running around that come in and out through the foster care system. Um, but then kind of underneath all of those things is ultimately I'm a disciple maker, that my goal in life is simply to be a disciple that makes more disciples. And I get the opportunity to serve with a great mission organization, New Life Global Ministries. Uh, we get to do uh, making disciples out of our home, out of a simple house church gathering. And uh, we're really excited to talk about this idea of community because it has been, especially in the last two years that have been a difficult time for everyone in our world, um, community has really been the thing that's made the difference for us. So, Ryan, that leads to a question that I, I want to see if you can answer for us. What is biblical community? Yeah, it is not a loaded question at all. <laughs> um, you know, biblical community is one of those things that has been somewhat of a buzzword over the last few years in specifically the Western church culture. Um, and when I think about biblical community, I think about two sides of the same coin that sometimes get blurred and also make it a little bit confusing. Um, on the one side, biblical community starts with our identity. Um, and, and I think biblical community as an identity starts with biblical believers, meaning those that have repented and repented of their sins and believed in Jesus Christ for their full salvation. Um, and that is kind of the foundation for biblical community is biblical believers. And that doesn't change regardless of, you know, what you're doing, the how of, of what things are going on. And I think when we think about biblical community, we often jump straight to the logistics, the what do you do? How does this work? What does this look like? And um, while those things are incredibly important, they're also very flexible but what's not flexible is the identity, the foundation of biblical community as biblical believers. But then on the other side, when you talk about what does this actually look like, I can't help but go to, um, you know, Acts chapter 2 and the great description of the early church, the way that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, um, and everything specifically in that passage um, I think that is really the definition and really all of the New Testament talks a lot about what is biblical community, but I feel like that's a, a good synopsis of the core foundation of what makes up biblical community. Saying it that way, um, you've been able to articulate the wording 
but it may be hard for some of our listeners to understand, so what does this really mean in my life? What would this look like if I experience biblical community? So maybe you can answer this. What are some of the personal benefits or even blessings that come from biblical community? Yeah, I think one of the things that is challenging when we start to think about, you know, what does this actually look like is biblical community similar to um, the word church and the idea of church comes with so much cultural uh, baggage and cultural beliefs or even misconceptions. And so you kind of really have to wade through a lot of that when you're thinking about what does this actually look like. And um, and it's also, it is a messy subject. It's not as clean cut as we like to make it, especially for us. Um, a lot of the personal benefits of, of biblical community for us and blessings of biblical community has come from people just getting down and dirty into the mess of life, into the mess of what is really going on. And not being afraid to to step into into real life and living life together. Even if you look, you know, at, at Acts chapter two and that that passage, it's very clear that they met together every day. And so you're not talking about they're coming together and holding church services every day. They're living life together. They're breaking bread. They're making dinner. Um, you know, they're coming over and making uh, Taco Tuesday and helping take care of your kids. And for us, that has been the thing. Is as we're able to lead this house church gathering, be a part of this house church gathering, but not just, you know, on Sundays. It's every day of the week we're seeking each other out, seeking to live in that community and live our lives alongside of one another. And especially for us personally, as you start talking about welcoming in um, children from foster care, it is a burdensome thing and, and it does get messy and it gets hard. And so having people in our life that are willing to step in and not just willing to step in, but they know, you know, it's not like we even have to go out and ask sometimes for help, even though sometimes we do. And we often ask for help. There are people that are just so in the mix of our life that they know what's going on. So when things are hard, they don't even have to be asked. They just step in and help meet those needs um, and help care for us and care for others. All right. So let's go even a little, little bit further, a little deeper, Give a few tangible ways, like in the last month in your house church, um, not just for you and Abigail, but for those that are actively being church together. What are some of the tangible things that you've seen as a result of your community functioning with some health? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so just in, in the last few months, we've been able to see... Um, got to do some really awesome things with helping and encouraging us to reach out to others. Uh, one of the benefits of living in deep community is kind of uh, our obedience drags other people into obedience and vice versa. Hmm. So when we step into hard things or when others step into hard things, then the community around them is then called to step up. Okay, so let, let me stop for a moment and just reiterate. You said our obedience does what? It drags others into obedience. Okay, so that's a very interesting concept, uh, but it is what we see in the Scripture, that 
there's something powerful about watching and living and being with people that are obedient that compels and maybe sometimes drags us also into simple obedience to the Lord. Um, so keep going with what you're saying. Yeah, so a great example is, you know, we do during our, our church gathering, the specific gathering, we kind of set aside time to specifically talk about life and to talk about our obedience. We do an obedience update talking about how have we been making disciples and how are some of our discipleship relationships going. And when you're coming week in and week out and getting to walk alongside people that are actively uh, sharing the gospel, that are actively discipling other people, you get excited about what God is doing in their life, through their life, and through their disciples. And it challenges you to step out. And so we've seen people that really struggle to share the gospel step out and say, hey, I need, I need to be doing this as well. Like, as a community, we're going to go. We're going to go out. We're going to take the gospel to our oikos, to the people that we know, to our neighbors, uh, and really be active in sharing. Um, another huge benefit, I would say, for us is uh, we have, we're a young family with some young kids, and a lot of our other, you know, when everyone comes, we probably have 15 to 20 kids. Now, half of those are my own. But at the same time, we have lots of kids. And so the help in the community of, you know, the old saying that it takes a village to raise kids, um, we have a, a wonderful village to step in and help each other with making time for your marriage, um, loving your kids through some of their struggles. Um, and then also, I think another just really cool one is as they did in Acts, where they held everything in common, that people sold fields to meet the needs of others. Uh, we've seen God meet physical needs of people in our gathering that when you know someone needs a physical need like heat, then we can say, hey, this is a need that's in our community. If you're willing to give, then here's how you can do it. And it doesn't have to be some fancy set up thing through a nonprofit organization with a specific bank account, but we can just pool the resources that God has given us to meet those tangible needs. Okay, hopefully that helps our listeners see and comprehend what community, what benefits come from living in that type of community with each other. Saying that, what are some of the deficits, or at least potential deficits, that you can see or foresee when biblical community does not exist? I mean, I think it, it's really easy to just flip over that coin and see um, to see the reverse of all of the things that we've been talking about. It's the same when, when you come week in and week out and hear your friends and brothers and sisters share about how they're getting out and sharing the gospel and how they're um, discipling others and you feel that encouragement and conviction. If that's not there, it's the other way. When you're not hearing stories of what people are of what God is doing through other people, then it's really easy to get very internal, to isolate yourself, to um, to not uh, to not give attention and priority to the things that need attention and priority, and to start seeking comfort instead of obedience, because we can all agree it's always more comfortable to not do something than it is to get out and to do something. And um, so the deficits are you're not, 
you're not growing in the same way and you get into what I like to call survival mode is you're literally just going through the day trying to make it to bedtime. And then the next day is the same thing because it just becomes, um, you kind of just have a, a very small view of what is going on if you don't have that community and it can get really selfish really quickly because unfortunately that's our, our fallen nature is to make it just about us and to make comfort and control um, the most important thing in our lives. You've already alluded to this, but I, I want to clarify something. Um, community is not just when you're gathered together. Mm-hmm. Um, although we each choose to gather at some time during the week uh, to encourage and even provoke one another to love and good deeds, as it says in Hebrews, community has to be beyond just that hour or two or three that set aside during the week to gather. Mm-hmm. So, um, with that clarification, what are the challenges that keep us from developing that? I would say the biggest challenge that comes to mind is really an apathy. Mm-hmm. Um, when we get focused on, um, when we get focused again on ourselves, then we can even come together and we can just make it a part of the routine. Um, that it's just another thing. It's like uh, taking taking your kids to soccer practice or um, going to the doctor. It's It just becomes something that we do. And if it's just limited to that tiny space in our life, then it's, it's not becoming transformative and we're not allowing it to um, actually have an impact in our life. It just becomes another thing that we add to the schedule. Um, and so we, I think we really have to fight hard to... Um, maintain that priority, but then also be open and willing for people to speak into us with with love. Um, not just being there for others, but also being willing to be helped ourselves. Um, one of the things that I know for me that can creep in really easily is pride and um, saying, you know, I'm great to be here to serve and to meet other people's needs, but I don't, I don't want to receive that help myself. And I think when we close ourselves off to that authenticity, then uh, because we all have needs, we all have ways that people can love us. Um, So much of the New Testament is love one another, all of those one another's that are often talked about. And we have to be open and willing to not just give those one another's, but then also receive those one another's and to be able to receive love from others and when we do that, it opens up um, a it opens up kind of that channel for for authenticity, but also for the other dirty a word, which is accountability. Mm. Um, accountability, I think, is one of the the biggest pieces. And so, like for our community, we do when we gather together, we have built in accountability where we're talking about, hey, how are you obeying? But then we're also challenging that outside of when we gather all together as one large group, that we're still keeping each other accountable in smaller groups where it's two or three guys or gals getting together and talking about, hey, how am I obeying God? How am I obeying what he's telling me to do? How am I loving others? And um, that 
that accountability is really, it's a challenge when it's not there. It gets really easy to get apathetic and uh, to just let it be another thing. But then when that accountability is in place and we're open and authentic with that, um, we're seeing God grow us when we're being willing to be honest with others and let others into that space in our life. I've often heard um, individuals use the word community and break it down to the words that it comes from, common unity. Yeah. Um, so when we have something in common that unites us, then it brings about a, a needed uh, resource and avenue for all of us to experience something in life that often we don't. And if I'm hearing you right, um, and I know as well for our community, there's something to be said about we have some, have this in common. We want to be followers of Christ that sincerely follow Christ. We don't want to do it alone. Uh, we don't want to just go to church and do Bible studies. We want the Word of God to become living and, and active in our lives. And we choose to be accountable uh, to each other of are we being obedient or disobedient and relying upon the others to help us have this common unity, this true community. Uh, maybe one or two more things that we can give thoughts to. Ryan, how about this? If someone were trying to create healthy, healthy community and their local expression of being his church, whether that's an established legacy church or a house church, what would you suggest to start um, if you're trying to create healthy community? Yeah, I would say that the number one thing is what you just said, that um, unity is one of those big buzzwords. And the only way you can have unity is you have to have something to unite around. Hmm. And so establishing the purpose is really where you have to start. Because um, if you start with just, we want to hang out, then... Um, you you might be able to gather some people for um, a season, but then when the season change, when things get difficult, um, you know, when it switches from uh, baseball season to football season and your schedule's a little bit different, then all of a sudden it doesn't have the same priority in your life because it gets a little bit more inconvenient. But when you have something, which as you just said, the ultimate unity is that we've all been called to make disciples, when that is the center of why we're gathering together, then that supersedes all of the other things in life. So we can constantly unite around the mission, around that cause. And um, then it doesn't matter when it's inconvenient. It doesn't matter in the different seasons. When seasons change, when scheduling conflicts come up, we make it work because what's most important is most important. And it's not something that we can just let go. And so if you're trying to develop how do we have healthy community, it has to start with um, with what is that community gathered around. Um, one of my favorite quotes that unfortunately I cannot remember um, who it came from, but I know it came from a local church pastor. Um, he said, if you start with community, you might get mission. But if you start with mission, you always get community. And the, the idea behind that is when you start going after something, then you have um, a built-in way to build that community because you're all going together 
towards something and you're just looking around like, oh, these are the people that I'm pursuing this goal with. I mean, even for us, we have two major sources of community. We have our our house church gathering that um, these are the people that we're doing life with. But then we also have um, our organizational ministry team that we're doing ministry with through NLGM that they're also the ones that we've developed deep community with. Um, even though we maybe don't have a formal church gathering that we do together every week, these are the people that we're seeking to multiply disciples with, and we've established a bond that's deeper than, hey, we're just hanging out. Well, hopefully this edition of HTE Podcast helps you have a better idea of why community is so important for being healthy disciples, healthy churches. Until next time, God bless. Thanks for listening to the HTE Podcast by New Life Global Ministries. NLGM exists to help followers of Christ follow Christ here, there, and everywhere. If you would like more information or some resources to help you be a multiplying disciple maker, please visit our website, go nlgm.org.